Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics, who have just returned from a trip overseas, a big game in London against the Philadelphia 76ers. John, down by 22 points. At one point in the second quarter, I guess maybe about seven minutes to go in that second quarter. Jalen Brown, probably one of his shining moments on the season, really trying to dig that team's effort out of its hiney. And uh, by the middle of the third quarter, they're right back in it, and then they wind up cruising to actually what appeared to be a fairly easy victory in London. So, John, here we are. We're back. Um, Woo! Woo! We got one game to talk about. That's pretty much the only time that's ever happened mid-season for you and I. But here we are, um, literally one game to talk about. Although, as we get our show notes ready, there's plenty of topics. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, you know, it was an interesting game, first of all. And then, you know, I think... You know, you see some things in and around that. Jason Tatum has a kid. I mean, a lot of things happened in a week and a half. Uh, we had Kyrie went in deep, in depth, I should say, with JJ Redick on his podcast, um, which was a little bit overblown in terms of the conspiracy theory stuff, but really some fascinating stuff once you get away from, you know, people being distracted by the shiny object of him talking about the flat earth stuff and learning that he, figured that out from reading Instagram posts. We're going to put that aside for a second, but the actual fact of how he came to be Kyrie Irving, uh, how he, you know, basically went to his driveway and worked on skills and skills and skills and skills and putting combinations together, you know, behind the, through the legs, through the legs, behind the back, behind the back finish, you know, and all these things, like how he became who he is as a player. I think it's, I think it's really good stuff. And I was, I was it's telling my kids, it's because of that's how phenomenal of a dribbler he is. So exactly. everything he yeah. said on the podcast about working on those different moves and transitioning from one to another, really right. pretty exceptional plan for a young kid. Well, that's yeah. And, uh, and I had a practice that night with my my uh, my son's travel team. And I was just telling him kind of recounting what happened and how he does it. You know, and that's a great lesson for kids. It's like, look, you to be this amazing ball handler, you don't need to have like 18 different cones and like, you know, all these different weird things that you buy. It's just a 
go from the fact of going out in the yard and doing it over and over and over again. And yeah, he's six three and his dad played division one ball, but he worked on his craft and it pays off. And you see this stuff over and over and over again. Um, it was a really fascinating podcast. And I'd say even if you're kind of put a, you know, put a, put off by the, the, the flatter stuff, whether you believe it or don't believe it or whatever, there's a lot of really good stuff in there for, with, uh, with Kyrie and JJ Reddick, two of, two of, you know, the better dookies we've had out there. <laughs> well, I liked watching JJ Reddick play in, in that game. He was the hottest 76er. I thought that was a huge pickup for them. You know, I live in the land of the 76ers. Many of my neighbors are Philly fans and, when they made that signing, I said, that's a great signing. I mean, Amir Johnson will get you some veteran presence, but this is a guy who's going to be able to score in spurts. He's going to spread the floor for guys like Simmons, who really aren't perimeter shooters, but can do a lot of playmaking and finish at the rim with some amazing athleticism. And I thought that was just a, a great addition for them. But going back to one thing I want to say before we move on, as you talk about coaching your sons, is basically the fact that no sport better than basketball to tell people you do not need a lot of money to be able to learn how to play this sport. You were just talking about you don't have to buy all this equipment to get good. You know, pretty much the only sport that's diehard like that is hockey. Like you've got to have cash to be able to play hockey. You need ice time. You need skates. You need gear. But basketball like no other. And I can't remember the player it was that had like this weird box net. And I think it was maybe it was Jalen Brown, but it was somebody – Showing their old neighborhood, they had gone back and done some video. And this is, I'm going back 10 months now, and I just can't remember who it was. Could have been James Harden. I really don't remember. But they had some totally fan-dangled basket that if you looked at it, you'd say there's no way somebody learned to play basketball on that thing. I don't even think the hoop was round is my point. And yet this person is, you know, an NBA, I think he was an NBA all-star. So I'll have to go digging, see if I can find that video again, or maybe one of our listeners can tweet us at CSL Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. Uh, to let us know if they remember that video, but no better sport, honestly. You can do it with little money. Um, and I think, uh, you know, some of the players where they've come from to be able to go on to be all stars says speaks volumes to that. So good on Kyrie Irving. Good interview. Um, and maybe just say real quick, I didn't think that this whole London experience was really as blown up as I expected it to be. I felt like it was kind of quiet, actually. I, yeah, I think I think the real impact was probably over there, meant to be over there. But what I found interesting from some of the people who were over there, and they said, you know, really in London they could care less about the game. But what it what it has become is kind of like a a way station of sorts for everyone in Europe and really around the world to come to this game. It wasn't so much a fact of you know, well, Londoners are really excited to go see NBA basketball. No, it really was just. Here's a central point where if you're, uh, you know, if you're from Germany or you're from Italy or you're from, you know, Spain, you take a train, you go over and, and, and you're in London within a couple hours, you can watch real live NBA basketball. But in terms of the city itself, not so much, not so much tea and crumpets and, uh, you know, talking about the NBA game doesn't really happen in London right now. No, I'm sure it's not something you have of a tea, but I will say you make a great point. And I also want to bring that back a little bit to the draft and we're not going to go to the draft right away, but I think about a player like, you know, Doncic or Donkic. Mm-hmm. Doncic. Where did that come from? Donkic. 
you think about a player like that, one of the question marks is that the NBA game is a lot faster, right? And so I wonder how many of these overseas players, coaches, um, got to go and see the game in person and actually understand that. Because I think it's one thing to watch basketball on TV and to think about how fast the game is played and how fast things are happening. It's totally another to be there in person. And it would be very interesting to, you know, maybe hear from a Euro coach who hasn't been in the U.S., you know, for NBA basketball to see what their experience with just how much of a fast-paced increase that was. Because there were moments where that really was an up and down game, John. I mean, they were definitely running at certain times. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I think there's really got to be quite an adjustment to see a real live NBA game as opposed to what you'd see, you know, even compared to what you'd see in the Spanish league, the ACB league, which is you know, probably the second best league. And even they aren't, you know, playing at that level athletically. We're we're donkages as well. So to see that comparison, I, I also want to give credit to uh, Adam Himmelsbach. Who wrote a really interesting article um, on that kind of that same note, Justin? Um, but this the guy, and I'm going to butcher the name, but it's it's Venus. That's B N A S. Matt Kavicius, I think that's how it is because he's Lithuanian. So that's where I'm going. That's with a it. pretty Matt good Kavicius. attempt, regardless. I think I'm all right. I'm going to give it to you. It. Yep. <laughs> but he was talking about he was hired in 14 by the Celtics, and he's the only scout the Celtics have. Many teams have a number of people. And, in fact, the Celtics, number for a number of years, and we've talked about on the show, you know, they've always been kind of not given that due because they haven't invested in the European game. Well, this is the guy they hired after the the, the Giannis draft. Uh, and, of course, at that point, Austin Angel had been doing the job by himself, scouting the world. They brought this guy in, and now, of course, you know, you've got Daniel Tice, who's come in here. Yabuselli, absolutely. So they're certainly looking at a broader a broader array of stars now, and, uh, you know, who knows what happens with Doncic. We'll see, you know, if, if you know, his fingerprints are on the potential of getting him. Um, so it's just interesting to see how even the Celtics are kind of re- branching out, and, and uh, Matt Kip, Matt Kip, Matt Kavicious, there we go. Uh, he was gonna, I guess, gonna be at the, the games there and, and meet with Celtic staff, even though he talks with them all the time. This is the, the in-person stuff that you probably don't usually get to do with, with your European scouting arms. So, you're right, I think, you know, one thing he was saying is he's always watching the NBA game just so he can kind of continue to compare what he's seeing every day when he's scouting players to what's really going on and what you know, with the bar that these guys have to meet in terms of the athleticism and a guy like Donkic, can he meet that bar? I think that's really one of the few uh, question marks people have about him as, as he gets closer and closer to the draft in June. Yeah. I mean, I think if you can see the floor, you can shoot and you can handle the ball, you're going to be okay. Even without that athleticism, especially if you're smart. So I'm not too worried about Donkic, whether or not he should be the number one pick overall. I think there's a lot of question marks. Maybe there wouldn't be in previous drafts, but with the depth of this draft mirroring or bettering last year's draft, I think that's where it gets a little difficult for him. And I would say too, um, we got to talk about the Fultz video when you're talking about overall number oh, one man. picks and the draft and last year versus this year. But before we do, I do want to remind everybody to follow Celtic Stuff Live 
on Twitter at CSL underscore tweet live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin and John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS media network at CLNS media, the Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Download the CLNS media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS media in your app marketplace. And finally, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS media for high definition, full length locker room interviews and the garden report with Nick Gelso, Josue Pavone, all of the crew. You'll see Trags on there. Good times, Jimmy Toscano. I think I just gave him a nickname. Good times, Jimmy Good. Toscano. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, good times. I, hope, I, hope that I like it. The network has to pick that up. That's all I'm going to say right yeah. now. Is yep. he just got a nickname? He's Good Times Jimmy Toscano. Jimmy. Boy, does that sound like a Goodfellas <laughs> character? No question. No question. I love it. That's Jimmy. Fantastic. Good times. Oh, that's classic. All right. <laughs> good times, Jimmy Toscano. All right. So let's talk about Fultz because somebody right oh. over there in Philly is not having good times. Not, oh not God. a good time at all. And I will, as we lead into this, the video has been out there. He's really pushing his shot pretty hard. It doesn't look natural at all. And then in watching ESPN, Jalen Rose said that basically after Fultz got drafted, what he heard was that Fultz's personal trainer wanted to adjust his shot. Now, if that's true, maybe it just coincided with the injury, or maybe it's an the injury is sort of an excuse because obviously they don't want him out on the floor playing the way he's playing. So I don't know if that's a combo or if it's sort of a don't look over here, there's nothing to see here, you know, let us get this thing worked out. You can tell, though, that Brett Brown is extremely – frustrated just based on his quote like all i can say i don't can't put a percentage on it uh you know all the kid needs to do is be able to shoot the basketball that's what it boils down to and let's face it that's what they drafted him for he was a pure shooter i mean remember we were talking last year at this time about looking up the youtube videos of him doing these crazy trick shots and shooting from all the way across the court and swishing like this he seemed like a can't miss shooting prospect defense was the question mark now he doesn't even look like he belongs in the NBA with that shot. He looks, yeah, it's a, the only thing I can compare it to is Charles Barkley's swing. I mean, it, it, talk about a hitch in the shot right now. I mean, it's, there's a, <laughs> it's, it, there's a staged process with that. And, um, yeah, a push. I, I think, you know, you mentioned it. It, feels, it looks like he's pushing the ball. Um, you know, I'm no shot doctor. I, not even close. Uh, but, it's it's painful to watch that sort of thing, and I'm not. It's not painful being in the same way like you see someone's laboring and and in pain. There, it, it's just broken. It, the shot is broken. Painful, like it, you feel bad for him. Yes, to the yes. point where we feel like yes. we fleeced them, but we were hoping that there would yep. be a Tatum Fultz debate, and there just isn't one at all right now. Right. And you actually feel bad for that club taking a different route with rebuilding, but they're kind of our sister rebuilding team on the East Coast and <laughs> would be great to build these two young teams up to be heated competitors in the post LeBron and Cavs era. It would. I think in terms of the storyline world, it would be interesting. I mean, I, I'm kind of over the whole Philly thing. I've created a whole bunch of enemies over there after the, the Philly game on <laughs> On Thursday, uh, just kind of going after Joel Embiid and his, you know, no-show uh, effort in parts of that game. Um, I just, yeah, it would be great. And I, and I, I, Fultz is a kid that I, I thought, you know, as we were going through the draft process, I would be perfectly fine with that kid being here. 
obviously Danny saw something different and, and saw in Tatum a, a potential superstar in the, in the making that, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that we were expecting, um, thinking he'd be a solid player. I thought, I thought Fultz would be, uh, had that same superstar potential. And so it's, it's hard to watch this. And, you know, you, you kind of root for the kid. I mean, I kind of root for the kid. I root against Philly. Think, but I root think for about the it kid. this way though. Think about it this way. Lonzo Ball is a far better player than Markel Fultz right now. Oof. And, and, you know, that's, that's rough. I mean, I know last year they were one, two and, they were looking at, oh, is it Jackson? Is it Tatum at three? You know, there's a lot of question marks after, but those two were almost the foregone conclusions at one and two. Now, Tatum's a little bit of a sleeper that he's better than Lonzo right now, but nobody could have predicted that. But the Fultz slash Lonzo thing, now that's, that's a toughie. Yeah, I, I think that that's, and you knew that Lonzo's shot was going to be a problem and it's remained a problem here as he's, as he started his NBA career. Tatum obviously his shot well beyond not just you know not just it's what actually his handle it's not even just his shot it's his yeah. handle it's the way he sets up his shot you know he had a burst in that Philadelphia game after Brown charged them back defensively offensively aggressively which is really what they were missing through the first quarter and a half I mean the first quarter wasn't that bad but boy that second quarter the start of it was it was quick that that 22 point lead got built up for Philly but it evaporated almost as quickly thanks to Jalen but then Tatum went off for what like seven straight points or something and I think he yeah. scored 11 total in the quarter but offensive juggernaut but even the way he was just you know doing that little juke like he was going to go to the hole and then he pulls up so fast for a non supposed non athlete uh his quick titch, quick twitch muscles are where he's athletic because he does pull up really quick. Let's say quick twitch muscles three times fast, Justin, if you could. I can't even say it once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, I didn't even it, say, I didn't even say donkage right. I'm tongue tied this show. <laughs> it, you know, and I think, but his, it's his shooting. I think in part his shooting has really set that up though, because you have to respect his shot. You know, so you've got to close out hard on him because he's going to shoot over the top of you. And then by the time you close out, he's, you know, it's not, it's also, it's the handle, but it's also the footwork too. The way that he's able to Euro step around some of these guys, this is the, the, the comparison that we talked about back, way back, back before people, you know, were really, people were, were excited about Tatum, but now we're kind of in a, in a whole nother level. We talked about the McHale comparison and the footwork that he uses. Yes, he's on the move with the dribble, but I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing footwork. What he's able to do and find his way to knife through the lane. Um, you know, it's, you know, finishing at the rim, twisting, turning the slippery eel, you know, the, the old Kevin McHale moves that he did, you know, from a, from a back to the basket position. Now you've got Tatum with his length doing that on the move coming from 23 feet out. I mean, it, it's it's so exciting to watch, and that's why I think people get so excited. Like, why can't he do it all the time? Then you remember, oh, he's nineteen. Wow. He's nineteen. He's a dad, but he's nineteen. Yeah, he he's a young kid. He is going to be able to do it all the time. And there's not a lot of pressure, which is awesome. I mean, I think really he came into the right spot. The Hayward injury obviously opened up an opportunity. It would be interesting 
if he hadn't gotten injured, what this season might have looked like. We might still be debating, oh, he's got flashes of brilliance, or he's really anchoring that second unit. I wonder what he could do as a starter. And maybe you don't see Marcus Morris in that starting lineup with or Baines. Maybe they do wind up getting Tatum and he gets his due. But you almost wonder how much he would be laying back in the clutch a little bit had that injury not happened. And also, you talk about players that have kind of um, come into their own. Marcus Morris is back. The, the, the definitely during the Philly game, you saw it. He was hitting his three-point shot. He's contributing again. Whatever was ailing him, he seems to have come out of it. And I think it's going to make this team a lot stronger uh, as they kind of get to the point where they're trying to prep for the postseason now that their schedule isn't so insane. So nice to see Marcus Morris back. I think we need to talk a little bit more about Lonzo Ball and that Lakers pick, and we'll do that in just a second. But first... We're going to do a word from our sponsors. So that's right, Hoops fans. We're halfway through the basketball season. Your favorite hardwood heroes have, well, kind of established themselves in their standings. And it's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test with huge cash prizes that you can win every night playing one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. They've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of a similar skill level. And the best part, you get to draft a new team each day. See how we're leading into our draft discussion, John? Do you like that? And drafting a team is arguably the best part of fantasy basketball. It might be the best part of the Celtics continuing to be in the lottery every year as well. The only thing that's better winning cash prizes is doing it. Just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a $3 entry into a 1000 bucks. Like I said, huge cash prizes and bragging rights await. Only at DraftKings. Use the code CLNS at DraftKings.com and then free with your first deposit for a share of $10,000 in total prizes. That's tonight. Don't wait. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup and you can seriously cash in. That's code CLNS at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. For details. So now that we had that beautiful segue, John, into the discussion around the draft and the Lakers pick, since we mentioned Lonzo Ball and the draft and the depth and, and Donkic, all of those cats, we're going to talk a little bit about the Lakers because they, I think since the last time we talked, they won four straight. I know they lost the, lost the most recent one, but they're not quite down there where we wanted them to be in that 2-3 spot in the standings. They're climbing up, but what a mishmash it is. Like, it's a, a, hot, a, a very heated battle for being the worst team in the NBA right now. Yeah, it, like you said, I mean, there, it's very close how these teams are all kind of in that that same area, I mean, basically between, um, Dallas, the Lakers, Phoenix, um, I think Brooklyn, you could probably include that. They're all within a game or a game and a half of each other right now. Uh, it's really close. Uh, and so you, you really need to see, um, some stratification of that area. And so it would be really nice to see, you know, some of these teams, in particular the Lakers, really start to, to suck it up a bit, or uh, hopefully for our benefit, teams like Sacramento, Dallas, um, these teams start to turn around. And Dallas had been playing well early, uh, last week. Um, Brooklyn had been doing all right. Uh, they lost two in a row. So 
maybe some of these teams will start to turn it around. Unfortunately, Lakers got as high up as, as, uh, you know, basically a half a game, I think, back from Orlando uh, in the second spot, and now they've kind of fallen back with some wins. As you said, look, it really only matters though that that that, yeah. that pick is worse than the Brooklyn Nets pick. That's really right. what we want to see. That's the <laughs> that's the icing on the cake for the whole Kyrie Irving trade. That would make it all such a beautiful thing. At the same time, if Brooklyn, you know, picks at six. I mean, picks at seven, and the Lakers pick at six. We're waiting another year. And I honestly have no idea how deep next year's draft would be if we got conveyed the Sacramento pick instead of the Lakers pick. So fingers crossed there. This this draft is deep. It definitely, if we get the pick conveyed from the Lakers, you're going to get a good player. The question mark will be, are you picking somebody that you're going to be willing to be patient on and wait a few years, or do you want to grab somebody who can contribute right away? And um, I think and they have the luxury of waiting it out, maybe like on a player like Bamba, if he doesn't go really high, he seems to be skyrocketing up the charts. I don't think anybody from a Celtics fan base perspective is really looking for another guard, although Danny Ainge loves his guards. I think it's that wing or big and and we don't really need wings either, but it's really the big man we're looking for. And there's three or four of them in this draft. Um, even Wendell Carter, if they were to pick a little <laughs> bit later, you know, I think he could be a surprise. My son loves uh, Jaron. Um, oh, Jackson. Jaron Jackson. Thank you. He loves Jaron Jackson. He thinks that that kid's going to be awesome. Those guys are all going to be available. The question mark is. Do you, do you take one of those players because it, it really you only you only have to go so low in the lottery and then and then you don't have a chance to pick them. Yeah, I, I think. Well, again, of course, the other thing that could happen is the, the Laker the Lakers could end up seventh and they could still you know win the lottery and get second too, and then we get the pick. So there's there's that there's that piece of it too where you know no matter where the standings are there is that lottery aspect to this where the Celtics still could could be conveyed the second pick regardless of how it turns out so that's kind of another wrinkle in all this which was frightening in part when they were the second worst team in the league but now it's somewhat comforting now they're the sixth worst team in the league so there's that but to your point about 19 the 19 draft um Actually, I spent a good part of the day today watching um, some games out of Springfield where the best high school players in the country were playing. R.J. Barrett, who is uh, the number one player in the class for 19 and headed to a certain uh, college uh, university down in Durham, North Carolina next year. Oh, man. I'm cultivating my next If they don't get Bagley, we'll get the other dude guy next year. I see how it's going. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll we'll see. But you and uh, Byron Solomon there on Twitter, did you wind up hooking up for that game and tweeting back and forth? Because he's been – He's been getting me going to the point where I'm watching more college basketball than I've ever watched. And then he's like, all right, let's push the limits here. Let's see if we can test Justin and get him to watch some high school basketball. And, uh, you know, I, I work, you know, well, I work long hours, as you know, John, but yes. definitely couldn't do anything in the middle of the day. So had to let that one let that one ride. But you were able to catch it. So, all right, so you got R.J. Barrett, right? That was one. Yeah, and and you know Zion Williamson's another guy that's coming out. And, and, I mean, there's there's a 
it's going to be – it should be another strong class at the top. Now, how deep it goes. Is it going to go six deep? Is it going to go seven deep? I don't know. You get Cam Reddish, who's another Duke guy who – he's top five, at least in the class, maybe number two, maybe four or five. Bull Bull, who – I mean, there's – there's probably three, four guys in this next class that I think people are looking at. I think for the Celtics needs and looking at where their needs are, this draft class is the one that would fill it better because you have Aiton, you have Bagley, um, you have Bomba. And, and I want to give a, a shout out to Sam Vecini, uh, also a CLNS media folk, uh, who did a really interesting podcast on his, on his podcast, Game Theory, talking about you know, specifically about Bagley and his fit and where he works well and where he doesn't work well and talking about, you know, the takeaway he and, and uh, his co-host had at that time was that, well, the Celtics are really good at switching, which should be really good for Bagley, but does he duplicate a lot of, you know, in part, what is, does he duplicate a lot of what Horford does? Do you need more of a, a, a bigger presence like Baines to fill that role? And we're seeing in that case, you'd rather have Aiton than Bagley. So it was, it was a really fascinating look. If you haven't listened to it, you really should go out and check it out, folks. Now, Aiton's not really that much bigger, definitely not in the lower body. But I think what they're talking about is the frame in that case, right? That they see that Aiden's body with the broader shoulders is he's going to be able to put on more muscle over time. Because I, I still wouldn't even compare him to Baines, right? Like, I get it. Bagley doesn't have the broadest shoulders, so he's never really going to be like the oh, most physical stick. banger. Yeah, he's a stick. Yeah. But, but, a Aiden's stick. A, I mean, but Aiden's kind of a stick. He's I mean, he's got – He's 260, he's 260 but it's all in his chest. It's not in his lower body. Yeah, I know. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. So he's not going to hold his own. Like, look, if you're if you're anchoring space for a rebound, it's all yeah. in the ass, dude. It's all in the ass. <laughs> it just is. It's not upper body yeah. strength. I mean, yeah. it won't, it's not that it won't help him. You know what I mean? Like, he'll still be able to push guys, you know, the kind of give him the forearm right. and create some space. But – all of that is in the lower body, and when you compare Bagley and Aiton, Aiton's legs are like little stick figurines, and maybe yeah. it's in comparison to his upper body too, but I have a feeling that they're right. looking at his ability to put on muscle, maybe with you know proper training or just age, because we're, yeah. all, we're all sticks when we're younger, but with that over time... <laughs> You know, he'll be able to put on that muscle that will give him the ability to, to dominate the low post. But yeah, in some respects, you know, despite the size, maybe it's just Bamba because of his length. You know, maybe it's not, maybe it's not about the strength. It's about the ability to alter shots. Baines does it with his size. Now, Aiden's pretty long too, but, but, but Bamba's freakishly long. He is. Yeah. I mean, he's got that ridiculous, you know, seemingly going on forever length that you see in guys like, like Gobert, you know, where it just seems like, are you kidding me? Like, where does this end? I think the thing that like Jack you know, O'Lantern in the, in the uh, nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I see though, is that I would rather have a guy who's more mobile and stout than that type of um, rim protector. I, I want a rim protector who, it does the things like Baines does as opposed to the Bomba. You know, a block shot's nice. A block shot goes far, but, but, you know, to have somebody who controls space, um, more, you know, horizontally than vertically, I think is, is really important. Um, around the paint in my mind. So, you know, Bomba, Bomba could be there. Bomba could be the next, you know, the next go bear. But I think, 
what you know you're going to get out of Aiton, what you know you're going to get out of Bagley on the other end, on the offensive end of the court. I think that just puts him ahead of Bamba right now for me. Um, I like the I like the rawness. I would of agree it, with but, that. I would agree yeah. with that. You, today's NBA game is very offensive oriented, and this team yeah. is already able to do excellent defensively, and mostly thanks to their their switchability. So that has a big uh, impact on it more than even size. But you do need an enforcer like Baines out there. They'll always have to fill that role, but that doesn't always have to be a starter. I think that's the real key takeaway. And they could run small with, you know, you talked about the duplication of Al Horford. I don't really think that's an issue in today's game. I really don't. As long as they can rebound. And that's the thing that Bagley does differently. Bagley is a rebounder. While he may duplicate, oh, I can facilitate the offense. I can run it out on the break. Um, you know, and, and maybe, um, I'm close to the basket and I'm going to have to develop a three point shot over time, even though he is shooting 35% and almost the same amount as attempts as Aiton. Despite that, there's still more question marks around his three point shooting and ability. But despite all of that, it's the rebound. Rebounding. And and he is such a deceptively dominant rebounder. But if it comes near his hands, he gets it. And I think that's the that's a big piece. That's a big difference. And I think it's really what they're getting out of Baines, you know, is is a lot of that rebounding. I know it's not always showing up, but his ability to kinda, you know, take up some space down there and, and make the opportunity for rebounds greater for the entire team. So that that part Bagley won't be able to do, right? But I think he may be able to no, make but, up for it with athleticism. But in terms of fit, you know, I think that's where, you know, you, you've seen two different models. And I think the Celtics going back here since Horford arrived, but, but even before that, you know, they've – but particularly now with Horford, they've tried to pair – the big who can bang a bit with Horford. No, so he doesn't get so beat up and all that. But at the same point, it's replacement. This is the Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> you know, draft pick in my mind, you know, in terms of building that guy who can play behind Horford into the future. But really with the way those Celtics rosters. Well, and with those trade rumors, dude, you, you don't even know that could be sooner yes. than later, right? And, yes. then, and then you would be grabbing a guy who doesn't really duplicate Horford. It really would play well in today's game at the center spot. Well, that's, that's kind of my point. Like, is that you need the guy who, you gotta take the best guy who fits for what the Celtics do, regardless of whether he's that prototypical banger who you've put next to Horford or not, you know, and so, if Bagley can eventually grow into being what Horford is great, can he play next to him? I think he can play next to him. I think he can spread it out and do a lot of things. I think Aiton is more of a natural, fills that Baines role, fills that, that Tamir Johnson role a little bit more seamlessly. But I don't think, I don't think that's a reason to not take one of these guys. You take them because they're the best possible, uh, star for where you think they're going to be. Whether it's, you know, Marvin Bagley showing the motor now, but maybe needing to be a bit more aware and a bit smarter defensively, or Aiton trying to figure out kind of his background, his history, his motivation, making sure that that guy loves basketball in the way that, you know, we've seen Marcus Smart and, and Jason Tatum and, and Terry Rozier. 
these guys, these workers, these guys who want nothing more than to be Character better guys. and be the best. Character Absolutely. guys that are willing to do what Brad Stevens wants them to do because they want to play the game the right yep. way. They're not just in it for the money because – and I don't want to say it's easy money because no matter how gifted you are, it's still not easy money. But you follow. It's the easier path than the other options that may lay out before some of these people, you know, <clears throat> Vin Baker. So, hey, look, let's talk about <laughs> – whoo – we talked about the standings, but I have a question that I also want to lead to, you know, a photo that we got this week, too, that needs to be discussed before we close here in about 10 minutes is Utah. If you look at them in the standings, they're 17 and 25. It's a huge fall off. They were right on the cusp last year, you know, as being one of the top teams out in the West. Right. I mean, they couldn't quite make that leap, but they were right on that edge. And they don't have Hayward, and now all of a sudden they're like sub-500. They're worse than they were when they were trying to rebuild. Do you attribute all of that to Hayward? And if you do, just how optimistic are you for his return? Oh, well, that boy, well, that was that was interesting. You know, that wasn't where I thought you were going to go with that question. <laughs> I was already I was already primed. I, I know because that's not how we scripted it. That's, that wasn't in the script. <laughs> <laughs> just do that little curveball yeah, in there. I know, I know. Well, thank you for that. No, that's that's good. Um, well, look, I mean, I think you got to remember that their best player has has missed a lot of games. Um, you know, Gobert is has played eighteen games uh, so far. He's only played half of the games they've had this year, um, and so you know that obviously really. And negatively impacts them. Even in the, as the West has really kind of taken a back seat, um, they've lost four of their last five. Um, you go back, they've lost. Uh, they've won two. Let's see, four. They've they've lost two of their last. Uh, they've won two of their last nine. Um, and so, Gobert is out. Another. You know, he's going to be out. I just think that with what you see with Utah, the hope there in the future is Donovan Mitchell. You look at him. You know, unfortunately, you know, you get some injuries to Dante Exum, who's, who, who probably is probably going to miss a good part of the year, if not all the year. It's it's a tough year for them. I mean, just about everything for them has gone wrong since since Gordon Hayward left, except for Donovan Mitchell. He's the hope. He's the prayer that they have over there. Um, I don't know that I'd tie their fortunes to what you know Hayward has done to what what he'll do here in Boston I think that a number of factors have really conspired against the Utah Jazz I think still think that they're a good team I think they have the right leadership um but I yeah I am I am confident about where where Gordon's going to come from and I'm very encouraged uh about the next step given what we've seen just to kind of tease into the <laughs> next thing uh of late because I think it shows that he's on pace just as we have said all along he's going to come back this is going to happen and he's going to be part of the play- Celtics playoff push we're as neck they, and neck neck, neck and neck with the Golden State Warriors yes. with one of their top we want to say top two but I do give a lot of respect to Al Horford so one of their top three players will will be fair with one of their top three players now walking around in sandals and like you said, likely poised for a return. And, and, and again, will he be a hundred percent? Let's just set the, let's set the bar proper. He, he won't be a hundred percent this season. 
Uh, if he does get back out on the floor, he won't be 100% till the start of next year for sure. He needs an offseason of recovery as well, conditioning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But this team, struggling with a little bit of lack of depth, even if he came in and basically was utilized to ignite the second unit and go out and provide some scoring and just give you know some leadership and direction out there in the postseason, that would still be a huge lift. Even though you play a tighter rotation in the postseason because you get the extra days off in between every single game, that's a great thing. It still would be a huge lift during those minutes. If he was only playing 12 to 15 minutes off the bench with the second unit, I don't think we would see these drop-offs like we saw in the Philadelphia game that caused him to dig out. And how many times are they really going to be able to dig out of 20-plus point deficits? It's been great in the regular season, but the postseason's a whole different animal. It, it is a different animal, and I think that um, you know you need those extra shooters, you need those playmakers, you need. <laughs> it's easy to say, well, you know, when you've got a guy like Kyrie and he can find a way night to night, but when you're game planning for a particular lineup, and you're gonna you're gonna take away the first and second option, the third option's got to beat you, and that's what happened in the in that Bulls series. You know, they took away Horford, they took away Isaiah. And the Celtics had nobody else to shoot. <laughs> and lo and behold, here comes Gerald Green. I think that that's you know, what's going to happen here as we kind of you know move into this playoffs. They're going to take away Horford. They're going to take away Kyrie. Now what do you got? Well, now we got a, an All Star who <laughs> hasn't played since October, but pretty damn good. And we got the the rookie here. We got the second year player. Now we've got some firepower for you. Um, it's really interesting, and we're recording this right now as Golden State and 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 Cleveland's playing, so we're not going to really get into the outcome of that. But we're at this point in time, and, and and kind of off of that, Justin, I'm interested in your thoughts. The Celtics are now seven games up on Cleveland as we're speaking now in the middle of this game. Um, they are at present, okay. I'm not, you know, they're they're 34 and 10, and as I say this, Golden State's 35 and nine. When Golden State and Cleveland play, do you root for Cleveland now because they're so much further behind the Celtics? Are you thinking about home court in the finals? Absolutely. You want the best record in the NBA. <laughs> Who to thunk it, right? Everybody's saying mid-50s, low-50s in the win total. Then Hayward goes down. No chance, no chance. And do you want to finish this season with the best record in the NBA? Absolutely. Have you already gone through the most difficult schedule with the least amount of practices? Absolutely. Is it doable with a player that's maybe set to return who was supposed to be one of the top players on the team? Yes, 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 yes. And they're the hottest team in Boston right now. I'm not, you know, I, obviously the Patriots are making their Super Bowl run. <laughs> They're, but, they're two wins away from a six championship, Justin. I'm just saying, I, I want to remind I, you of that. And I, and I get that, but everybody <laughs> loves the rise to the top. If you were to tell me, is this year's Patriots run your most favorite Patriots run or back in the snowball in 01, you know what your answer is. And that's kind of how this feels for a lot of Celtics fans. They're just coming onto the scene. You know, like they had a great season last year, but this is legit to be at the top of that you know, NBA stratosphere to be right there and poised to have the best record in the NBA. Can they do it? Yes, yes, all of that. And I think if it weren't the playoffs right now, you can say situationally that the Patriots are the hottest team because we're right knee deep in the playoffs. Yes, but 
but I'm telling you, you know, if you were taking regular season versus regular season, you know, and you lined up these schedules, I think the Celtics are climbing up to number one. So good on the Patriots. Good luck this weekend. They're killing it. I'm still a Pats fan. I'm not trying to down the Pats. But I'm just saying, you know, this is a team with a a whole reconstructed roster, a team that nobody expected to be have this kind of success. Here they are having it. And uh, I think it's phenomenal, and I do think that they're going to make some serious noise. So, yeah, you root for Cleveland where Ty Lue says he still thinks they're the best team in the NBA because they have the best player on the planet. I agree with all of that to an extent. They will be much tougher in the postseason than they are now. But you almost have to think that unless something goes drastically wrong for the Celtics, that they'll at least secure home court advantage over Cleveland in the postseason. Uh, I think they, you know, I there's think a little will. bit of battle yeah. for that number one seed for sure, depending on you know if they do hit a skid or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, I think they've got the Eastern Conference wrapped up, and you want to have not wrapped up, but they are in good position enough that you can root for Cleveland to beat yeah. Golden State Warriors. Now, as we look at the week ahead, with a couple of minutes left, there's three games that are going to be on tap before you and I come back and record again. We've got Tuesday against the Pelicans, Thursday a rematch, and final game of four against the Philadelphia 76ers, and then on Sunday an early matinee against the Magic. Uh, I'm going to say that the team goes two and one, and I'm I'm going <laughs> jet lag, crash, although jet lag usually happens when you travel, or at least it does for me, travels more when I head back east. So they headed east, and now they're coming back west. You'd think they'd be all set. But I just think that that finally catches up to them. They were a little sluggish in that in the game against Philly and pulled it out. I think they might get a little out muscled by the Pelicans front line in this in this game. So that's my that's my concern. That's my loss. Otherwise, I think Philly and Magic they both get hosed. Uh, well, you know we've got future Celtic Anthony Davis coming to town on Monday night or Tuesday night. So that will be fascinating to see how he fits in. Uh, I'm sure this Garden faithful will make them make sure he knows that he's appreciated, regardless of what Woj said and the questions about the Celtics organization. The fans would love him, and so I think the Celtics fans will do right by him and let him let them let him know exactly how they feel about the potential of him coming here. Um, I would probably go actually three and zero. I think that. Uh, the time off is going to be wildly helpful for the Celtics. Actually, a couple practices in before they play the Pelicans. Uh, not like a typical road trip. And I think that you know, the rims will be level on Thursday night in the Garden. I'm sure that they'll be able to straighten out Philly. And the Magic are freaking terrible. I mean, who really cares? Nobody will probably be paying attention to that Sunday afternoon game. I'll be watching. I'm sure many yeah. of you will be, will be watching. <laughs> But let's be honest, everyone at three o'clock, TVs will be turned to CBS to see the, the, excuse me, the Patriots playing the Jaguars there in the AFC Championship game. So I think three and zero, I'm, I'm bullish on this week. And you know, hey, how else are you going to get to the number one seed in the East or, or number one seed in the East and the number one overall seed in the whole playoffs? You got to win. Got to go three and zero on these weeks. They'll get it done. Well, I think you've predicted more undefeated weeks since the start of the season than you have a week with a loss. You've been confident in the Celtics all along, John. So uh, a 3-0 and week, I would expect nothing less. I, I do feel pretty confident that they could, but if there's a letdown game in the tank, it's going to be this one against the Pelicans. Otherwise, I think they're actually poised 
for another hot streak. But that's going to do it for this week's show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. Remember that you can support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke. I'm Justin Poole and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.